Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Welcome to episode 11 of the Thistle Rugby Podcast, the only rugby podcast that cares about Scottish rugby. I'm here, it's a Tuesday night, and I've got Alan with me. Hey, good to be here, always happy to leave the family on a Tuesday night to come and do the podcast <laughs> with you guys. This is your real family and all the listeners out there, Alan, you know that. And we've got Matt with us as well. Yeah, once again, delighted to be here to talk about some, some serious Scottish rugby. It's been a, a great weekend for the, for the pro teams. It has been good as well. The, the curse is broken. Two wins um, for the pro teams at once. Not so bad. So welcome along, guys. Um, thanks a lot for all your support. As always, you can follow us on the Acast podcast app or on the iTunes uh, podcast store and on Twitter at Thistle Rugby Pod. Um, if you do go onto iTunes and follow us there, we love it when you leave us a review. We've had a few this week, including a really long one, which you can catch on, the, um, on our Twitter page. It was sort of three paragraphs long from the Edinburgh mascot, Flinty McStag. Um, I think he was having a great time after the win against Timisawara. He put that out there. Uh, but we've also had one from a, a fan of the pods, um, Alex Thompson. He says, with all the style of an Ali Price perfected sculpted hair, the power and precision of Hugo Southwell's left boot and the grace of Tommy Seymour under the high ball. These guys are finally taking the time to discuss the world's best little rugby nation expertly. Keep up the good work, lads, and pints on you at my side. Yeah, definitely. Well, the next time they play there, if you want yeah. to come along and we can have, you know, that, that Thistle Rugby Social that we've been talking about the whole time. Absolutely. And Shanghai slash Opal Yeah, my side, then George Street. And uh, one other from a good friend of the pod, Ali Crawley. If Gavin Hastings was a podcast, which we like as, a, as an introduction, um, this is a Monday morning essential, although we are, of course, recording this on Tuesday evening. Um, excellent work. So thanks a lot, Ali, for that. Um, we're going to get into talking about the, the sort of Scottish rugby news from the last week, and then our two Thistley issues of this week are going to be, one, how does it feel to have both the pro teams in European quarterfinals? And then number two, what are the talking points from Scotland's Six Nations squad, if there are any? We've also got a quiz from Alan this week, so another look into his weird brain. And um, <laughs> so that'll be good. So that's what we're going to start with, I think. Um, should we talk about sort of transfers and uh, all the gossip that's sort of floating around at the moment? Yeah. Um, so shall we start with... We tweeted this out on Saturday, so our, um, our source is telling us and he's the guy that's been right on the majority of stuff up to this point, that the Hugh Jones deal is done. Hugh Jones is going to be at Glasgow as of August next year once he fulfills his Stormers contract in, the, in Super Rugby. Absolutely huge. So I wonder, I think Hugh Jones will be playing 
he's able to play the Six Nations. Yeah. So he's only going to play maybe another sort of four, five games for the Stormers, I guess, before he's going to move across yeah, to I Glasgow. Think... But no, I think, I think uh, yeah, great to get him across. I mean, Edinburgh could probably do with him more than Glasgow. Yeah, I think we, I chatted with somebody on, um, on Twitter about that, and I think, yes, Edinburgh could probably benefit more from him, but Scotland probably benefit more from him being at Glasgow and playing top-tier um, European rugby. Yeah, I think so. But it's sort of grist to the mill for Edinburgh supporters who think they're getting a bit of a bad deal from the, the SRU. SRU yeah. um, but no, I think it's a great signing. I mean, he's been Stormer's best player for the last season. He's, he's proved himself in the, um, in the Autumn Internationals and hopefully he has a, a, another sort of good tournament in the Six Nations. Um, because, yeah, he seems to be a really top-class player. It's, it's quite interesting what implications that has for Glasgow centres because, you know, you've got Bennett and you've got Dunbar and those guys don't fit into two positions. No, they don't. And we've heard, there's been rumours going around um, and I heard that Bennett might be off to Newcastle yeah. in, the, in, the, uh, in the Premiership, which I think would be an o- okay move for him. But th- I, heard that, I heard that about 10 days ago, though. And since then, Bennett's put in a couple, <laughs> has put in some great performances for Glasgow, which, which would have anyone second guess. He had it. an okay game, yeah. An okay, even Alan <laughs> says he had an okay game, so that <laughs> must have been a five-star performance. Um, so yeah, I've heard Bennett's in Newcastle. Dunbar, we know, was in France a couple of weeks ago, but whether he's just shopping around or we haven't heard really much about Dunbar. I think um, Bennett's Newcastle makes quite a lot of sense. There's sort of a strong Scottish contingent down there. They've got Waldock at 13, who yeah. is fine, but probably he's, he's not the game breaker he was maybe sort of five six years ago um, and I actually don't think going to Newcastle would be a bad move for, move for him they've got the, the plastic pitch now they're sort of getting ahead of steam seem to be yeah they're a, cl- they're a club in the ascendancy now definitely like yeah. they've got a pack that can now compete at that premiership level um, they've got that so USP and the sort of the intimidation factor of having that plastic pitch which they're used to and some clubs aren't I think he'd be good he's quick like, he's so quick a plastic pitch would suit his game. He's got quick feet, get on the outside of man. Yeah, and I think one thing from a Scotland perspective is I just don't want Bennett and Hugh Jones in the same same club. Exactly, because they just they just don't fit. Would, would it not made a bit more sense for the SRU to send him to Edinburgh then? Yeah, because that that's Edinburgh's real issue, isn't it? That they've got a good pack, but some pretty sort of pedestrian backs. Yeah, I wonder um, why Mark Bennett wouldn't want to go to Edinburgh though. Well, because he loves Glasgow so much. Or Just, I don't know, <laughs> it'd be a bit of it. That would be yeah. seen as a step down, probably, by him, wouldn't it? Yeah, I think he Whereas de- you can he make the argument that Newcastle's at least a sideways move. Yeah. Just no, about. No, <laughs> Just no, about. From Glasgow to Newcastle. We can't, we, we've got to get out of this mindset. We're better than we're Yeah, than we're that. much better than Newcastle. Um, I think he, it would have worked at Edinburgh, but I, I'm not too fussed about him going to Newcastle. I think if it, if it gets him playing, you know, if he's starting every game, we get Hugh Jones in, Glasgow go on. He's playing high-quality rugby week in, week out in the Premiership. We still get the same Scotland access for him because you, we've got to deal clearly with all the other Scotland players down there. Yeah, I think it's, I think it's a decent move. Yeah, no, definitely. Uh, and then we said Adam Hastings. Yeah, this is, looks like it's deal done as well. So, so I'll, I'll go through my theory of what I think is happening. So my, my alternative facts of what I think is going to be the transfer merry-go-round. It's a new, new segment, Alan Little's fake news. <laughs> fake news <laughs> is here. Um, so I think Adam Hastings move up, moves up to Glasgow. It sounds like George Ford's going to see out the rest of his contract at Bath, which means that Bath don't need a fly half till next season. That gives Glasgow a year for Adam Hastings to play under Finn Russell, hopefully bleed him in, and then when Finn Russell leaves to go and get that extra cash, they've got Adam Hastings ready to step up. I love it. Wow. Fa- we'll this, fa- this post-truth world is lovely. <laughs> it feels great. Um, yeah, I mean, that sounds, that's exactly what we've said before, is that we were worried about Hastings coming up and getting thrown in without a sort of year of sort of apprenticeship. Mm. But imagine that. You've got Adam Hastings. He spent the last three years of his um, professional career and two of them he would have been playing under George Ford, and then a year playing under Finn Russell. I mean, and his dad's big gap. I mean, talk about rugby, <laughs> rugby pedigree plus a good training ground. That could be, that could be great. Yeah. I, mean, I suppose the thing is with the, with the Pro 12 as it is that um, 
when it's international season, you know, the, the internationals go away. So he will get games, which I think is, is a really good thing because he, he isn't really getting too many games at Bath. So no, he usually just plays at like the Anglo-Welsh yeah, Cup exactly. stuff. So it'd be really interesting to see his, his progress. Um, so does that mean that, that Russell's definitely gone then? Is that what we think? I don't know. I mean, prob- well, th- this um, fake news world that Alan's bringing to us is we're saying that Russell's going to stay at Glasgow for another year. I don't know. I've been thinking about it. He had that sort of almost career-ending head knock last year, yeah. concussion-wise. No, if no. I was Finn and there was, let's say, Aaron Cruden's getting 600 grand supposedly at Montpellier. If somebody's offering Finn half a million, he's 24 and he almost had to retire last year. It's hard from a personal perspective for him not to take that, isn't it? No, no, definitely. I mean, he's probably looking at, especially for this last year of his contract, going to be getting his money sort of tripled. And yeah. I say, you, especially when you look at people like North, who've been having sort of serious head knocks, people chatting about sort of early retirement, it's hard not to think that you've got to take the money now rather than wait for it later. Yeah, exactly. I think it's, it's bad. We've said it before. I think it's bad for Scotland. I don't think if he ends up playing in the top 14, it's going to be good for his rugby development. But from a, from a personal perspective... Mm. I don't know if I quite buy the head knock stuff because, I mean, if you're talking about player welfare, then France is not the place to go. <laughs> <You've> <laughs> That's had, true. Um, you know, Jamie Cobmore recently playing for Claremont and basically being told to, to play on with a head knock and then him complaining and then threatening to yeah. sue him. So I don't know. But I, I don't begrudge him moving when, I, when you talk about the, the money, definitely. Yeah, I, I mean, yeah. we don't really know what's going on there. I, I'm sure Glasgow and the SRU are trying absolutely everything they can to keep him, but he know, who knows? Maybe he wants to move to France. Maybe no. he's maybe he's just a, he, he wants to move he's, away. He's Why not? He's had enough of Ashton Lane and the Bacardi Breezes, and he wants beer ritz and he a glass it. of wine. Exactly. He's maturing. He's growing up. Fair right? <laughs> Let him have it. Fair enough to him. Let's talk about... Let him have um, his foie gras. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> um, what do we got? Um... Seems that Rory Clegg is on his way out. No great loss. I think we can move quite swiftly on from that, yeah? Uh, that's not a massive surprise. I, not a massive loss. So yeah, I, I don't care. Yeah. I couldn't, couldn't care less. Um, I, something I could care less about, Strauss. Seems that he's been fairly well briefed to the press, either by his agent or by Glasgow or by the SRU, that his wages could be spent better elsewhere. Yeah, which is a bit of a shame, I think, because particularly in recent games, and I'm thinking of the Leicester game of the weekend, he's just been absolutely incredible. Um, even when we lost to, when Glasgow lost to Munster in the, the group game, he was one of the better players, and he was carrying so well. Um, and he maybe hasn't quite fulfilled his potential when he came over as a project player until now. So I think it's a bit of a shame, but I suppose if he's on big, the big bucks, then it makes sense. And obviously in Scotland, you don't have a policy of not picking players from abroad. So go to France, picks up a wedge, still plays in Scotland, keeps himself fairly fit. I don't think it bothers me from a Glasgow perspective either. As we've said before, when you've got Ryan Wilson and Adam Ash waiting in the wings to, to fill that number eight role. Yeah, I'm, no. I'm, I'm relaxed about it. No, definitely. It's not like he's needed at Edinburgh. Either you've got Cornell Dupree and Manu. You've got another very good beard in Cornell Dupree at um, Definitely. Edinburgh. I, who's only 25? Is he? Yeah. That, that guy, A, he's been around for a while, and B, looks say old. It's a really hard upbringing. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> um, what else were we going to say about Edinburgh? Um, Edinburgh renegotiating contracts with Nell at the moment. I suppose that injury he's um, picked up might strengthen their hand. Yeah, I think it's something we'll talk about later, but it seems as if it's, it's a real recurring injury, and whenever he comes back and tries to make his return, it, it flares up again. I think it's a vertebra in his, in his neck. Um, so it's maybe that gives Edinburgh a bit more bargaining power in terms of the contract, whereas before you would have thought he's sort of earning big buck, commanding big bucks from, from abroad. Um, so hopefully he can get that deal done, because I still think he's a very, very important player. I think he's good, and he's a cornerstone to... Um to Edinburgh, Edinburgh's pack as well. So I think they really need that. Although there's some nice youngsters coming through there as well in the front row. Yeah. New Scotland um, squad member, Bergain. Bergain. Is it Bergain after the nightclub? (laughs) Is it not? Bergain. What's his name? Bergain. (laughs) It's Bergen. Bergain, like the club in Berlin. It's not the club in Berlin. 
I heard it was owned by his family. Oh, really? <laughs> he's from New Zealand, so I mean, that's some real you international know? portfolio he's got there. He's doing, he's doing pretty well. Um, player from Berlin. Exactly. Good to see. Germany are an up-and-coming nation. Um, what else sort of made the news Scotland-wise? James Robson, the uh, Scotland doc, isn't going with the Lions. Matt is really upset about this. Alan and I are... I mean... <laughs> I'm not that fast. I guess there's a doctor that's maybe slightly better than James Robson, which seems fair. I get, I guess. I get it. He's like the lion. He has been the Lions doctor, but he's been the Lions doctor for like the last four tours. Exactly, because he's awesome. Because he's a really good, well-regarded doctor, and that he who's he been un- understands uh, some Irish dickhead. <laughs> he's obviously he understands the lines ethos more than anything. He loves it. He's like I know he loves it. Remember there's the when Will Gilbert gets knocked out and he's like almost crying because he's so worried. Like he absolutely loves it and he's a great doctor apparently. So I'm I'm gutted. I think it's really really bad. Maybe it means the Scotland squad will stay fit when they go to Australia this summer though, which would be nice. Yeah, no. And I guess I can't get that emotional about it. I'm sorry, Matt. Yeah, I mean I cried while watching the lines. Do I get to go? Because I'm. Yeah, I love it. Yeah, I love it. <laughs> like, do I? Well, actually, I am going. So that, yeah. is, true. <laughs> that is true. That is true. Um, what else? Is going? There was that weird story about the. I'm going to try and say his name. The American guy who came over and played for Glasgow, Langi Langi Haupekua. I think that's completely correct. So but I think that's okay. That's all we need. Let's just call him Langy for the time being. Langy times two. Yeah, he's from Langham, I believe. But, um, Langy squared. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, but he has seems to have been let go by Glasgow. Yeah, I think he went home for Christmas and never came back. Like one of the <laughs> <laughs> like the Korean people that go to the uh, Olympics and then just defect. <laughs> just defect. They never go back. Yeah. It's, um, so it sounds like Glasgow just. Well, I think what what is he his is like. He'll be like a pub quiz answer because he got his two yellows on his debut for Glasgow. Yeah. And that is pretty much all he he's did. He's not started a game and he's got something like three red cards. And even when we, he, was con- he was drafted to Sterling, whenever he played for them, he just came on, got red cards. I think it's, it's got to be because he's, a, he's an American football product. So yeah, these new so. tackling rules do not suit high tackles with no arms. He's also, if you see him, he's like covered in, he looks like a sort of gangster, like... He looks really, really dodgy. So, oh, so <laughs> well, it's it's he wouldn't fit in Glasgow. Really. Well, maybe not, but he Fair just enough. loves a red card. So. Yeah, he does. And so, talking about pro players playing for Sterling County, you see Corey Flynn was starting at Hooker, a bridge hall. He was chucking offloads up in Sterling at the weekend. <laughs> I mean, that guy has played at like Eden Park against the South Africa, and now he's playing for Sterling County against, I think maybe. Air? Yeah, air. So, Fair there play. you go. How do you get on? Do they win? I have no idea. I can't remember. I actually watched No, I think Air did win. They, came, they, they won it late in the day, didn't they? Air won. I think it was Air, yeah. But, yeah, well, it was Air. Um, but Flynn got a little assist. Didn't he? he? a little break and set up, I think, one of, one of his front row partners. So Well, I'm glad he's out there playing because... Fair play to him. Every time he plays for Glasgow, he doesn't seem like he's arsed. So, you know, maybe yeah, he was bringing the, it for Sterling experience, County. though. He's bringing through the young hookers, you know, what a that's legend. Tr- that's true. Well, I suppose Fraser Brown is, well, not testament to that, but... <laughs> uh, he's he was okay exam- before. Yeah, he was pretty but good anyway. before. Right, should we move on? Should we get into the meat of the, uh, the day? Oh, aye. We've kept everyone on tenterhooks for uh, long enough. So, Matt... Talk us through that feeling you got when you realized that both Scottish pro teams were in European quarterfinals. Oh, absolutely incredible. Particularly the Glasgow one. I mean, we... Yeah. Edinburgh actually, you know, it's, it's not uncharted territory for them. They've got to a couple of Champions Cup quarterfinals before and obviously got to the final of the Challenge Cup the other, a, a few years ago. Um, but I think particularly Glasgow, you know, sort of getting that monkey off their back and just doing it in such style was incredible to watch it really was a joy um and it is quite weird sort of saying that you're a glasgow and an edinburgh fan but i think that every scottish rugby fan was absolutely delighted with with the result yeah it was it was incredible i mean just like from the first try that seymour scored and just i loved uh, ali price is so good i'm so excited about ali price i know i think we get one more let's get one more season of greg send him off to uh, to france with our thanks and then Ali Price has got to be starting from this summer coming. No, definitely. I think, um, so we talked a lot about 
Seymour and Hogg and whatnot. There's a few players, especially the last couple of games, like Lee Jones, Swinson, who's obviously been man of the match um, two Twice, games in a yeah. row. Xander Ferguson's really stepped up. Um, Josh Strauss, if he's not seen at Glasgow, is definitely making a massive push to get a huge contract. Yeah, post. definitely. And then I actually thought Mark Bennett played pretty well. So good to see him coming back into a new vein of form all before the Six Nations. Yeah, I mean, I, th- I just thought it, I thought it was brilliant. I think Fraser Bryan someone you didn't say in that list of mm, people that were yeah. absolutely outstanding. He has got to start at two ahead of Ross Ford in the Six Nations. I mean, that is surely... Surely that has got to happen. Surely Ross yeah, Ford's well, day is done. Unfortunately, I think a lot of it depends on what happens with front row injuries because I think that Ford, if there's one thing that he's better at than Brown, it's scrummaging. But maybe that's the perceived wisdom and it, it might not be fair. I mean, the Glasgow scrum did really well against Leicester. Yeah. You know, made, made Ellis Genge, who's meant to be a, a scrummaging uh, prop, have to go to the bin. So maybe he should be given a shot. But yeah, I just in the loose, he's absolutely... Incredible. He's brilliant. Um, he's got. He's skill, skillful. He's quick. His ball carrying is, is so that, aggressive. His, arrow, his arrows are good. Um, arrows are good. Ross Ford's got no arrows and a hundred caps. That so is true. That doesn't matter, does it? Yeah. Um, so we'll see. I, I certainly wouldn't be disappointed to, here's, to here's see one, him starting. Here's one for you both. Who are you starting in your second rows? I mean, Swinson's been incredible. But like, I, I what s- is Swinson? What does Swinson have to do to knock Richie Gray out of that jersey? I think the one problem with him is maybe his size. And I think that when he has yeah. played for Scotland before in sort of really physical matches, he's just not quite big or, or physical enough. But then again, he's, he's played against Munster and Leicester and sort of come through with flying colours. So once again, um, but I think overall for the pack, you do lose quite a few stones from picking guys yeah. like Brown and Swinson yeah. and your pack weight suffers. So that... Maybe is the, yeah. the thinking behind that. I've got, I've got. I watched. I watched the Toulouse game. I saw Richie Gray play a game of rugby at the weekend. I watched Toulouse versus Connet. How was he? He's 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 huge. Like the whole yeah, Toulouse, yeah. the whole Toulouse pack are absolutely enormous. But Richie is he's so big. He yeah. kind of did his whole thing though. You know, like his whole sort of like he's always there and the sort of gray carry, which is sort of first receiver hit the man and then go down. Yeah. And he did that a lot, and he, did, he was working really hard, and he was getting his body around. But my main takeaway is that he's absolutely massive. <laughs> yeah, I, to be honest, I think you just use Swinson as a stick and just say to him, look, say to, say to Richie Gray, just be like, right, you've got two games. Swinson's absolutely playing his socks off. Prove to me that you are one of the two best second rows in Scotland. And... I imagine it's obviously good motivation. Tell Swinson, look, first two games, you're going to have 25 minutes to prove why you should start and then just sort of take it from there. But yeah, yeah great that you've got three players, plus when you have Gilchrist, who's, you know, you're not, you don't feel bad about, you're not going to feel no, bad not about, about putting Gilchrist in the team. It's good that you've got sort of four second rows, plus Big Jim, if really needed. Big Jim. And it. Big Ben. Big Ben Tullis called up to the Scotland squad as well. Yeah. Who we are, you know, are we fans? We're fans now. I don't know. I'm a one-game convert. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm not, I'm not. I'm not calling for him to start, but he's there. I know our Edinburgh fans absolutely love him. Like he's consistent for the club. Mm. Last, uh, last Scottish team to win at Welford Road. Any, um, any takers? I mean, there's not that many Scotland it's, teams. Uh, it's Fetty's. Fetty's something. I can't remember what it is. It, it's Fetty's Loretonians. So it was like... Fetty's uh, in the Loretto. Yeah, yeah. FP really? team who won at Welford Road in 1905. So that's how long it's taken. Yeah. It's not as if they play... It's, it's not, not as if Scottish teams play there every single year. But... Well, I think um, the, one, the one that's been touted about in the press and the one that certainly Gregor Townsend was talking about is when Glasgow went down there in the European Cup in, I think it's 97... Yeah, at the in the once we're just into the professional area, um, yeah, professional sort of um, era, and um, they lost by 70, 80 yeah. points. Yeah, it was like ninety points to seven or something like that. I think it's something like as well that out of the last seventeen times they played English teams away before that before the game of the weekend they lost sixteen of them. Like they they never went away in England. So yeah. Yeah, it's just massive result, and I really, I really hope that this is the springboard that sort of takes Scotland into a really strong Six Nations. Because 
There was some amazing stat about how many Scottish qualified players. Twenty-two out of the twenty-three man squad. Twenty-two out of the twenty-three, were, exactly. Yeah. Um, Scots qualified, which is absolutely incredible. Like, can, I don't think you could find another team in the tournament with that sort of stat. No. Do you know who the one player was that wasn't Scottish qualified? Uh, oh, that is good. Pre-quiz um, question. Give me a think. I'll give you a clue. He's twenty-two years old. Is that helpful? Brian. Oh, Brian. (laughs) (laughs) 22-year-old Brian. 22-year-old Brian. He is. But I don't think he's been capped yet, so he could be a project player, and then he could play with Scotland. He's a 23-man Scottish squad. He's 40. He's going to have to retire (laughs) soon. He's so old. There's no way he's 22. Brian, what a man. Um, Well, yeah, I I just think, yeah, Glasgow and, well, Edinburgh, first game at Myerside. Yeah, well... I mean, I, I wasn't able to watch it because I'm going to blame BT because for personal reasons, I'm not yeah, allowed blame to blame BT, Sky. Fine, yeah. um, <laughs> but because of BT, I wasn't able to watch this game. I guess they didn't think there was enough of an audience to, I guess, just take was a camera crew. Was it on anywhere? Yeah, I, I don't think it was literally shown anywhere. Wow. And I know BT I and Sky do share the Challenge Cup. Right, so they would have had, one of them would have had the option to show it and just obviously chose not to, I guess. But anyway, it seems to be a bonus point win and an absolute canter at Meyer side, which seems to have gone really, really well. Yeah, I mean, I think the result was never really in doubt. Um, and Edinburgh even managed to play sort of a slight, or br- bring in a few of the second string players. And did- it's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. And really skip a beat. Um... So I suppose the, the more important thing is looking at um, the fact that it was the first game played at Myerside. And um, it seemed to work out really well. Like, they got a good crowd down there. Um, there's obviously a few sort of kinks to work out, I think, still. The sort of facilities aren't quite there. But just such a difference to playing in a cavernous Murrayfield. And I think that the, the more games they play, the more they get used to it, and the more sort of crowd buys in, you know, the, the better Edinburgh will get. And... Hopefully this is sort of one of the building blocks that can sort of take the team forward because they've been in the doldrums for, for far too long, I think. Yeah, and I think it was, it, it's, it's great to get them playing and, and scoring points and progressing deep into a tournament. I mean, I know Cornell Dupree uh, scored, Magnus Bradbury, um, great little interception score for um, Blair Kinghorn mm. as well. Like These are good, not just um, Edinburgh prospects, but Scotland prospects coming through as well, and it's only going to benefit them to be getting quarterfinal rugby against La Rochelle, Second in the top 14, mm. um, which is, is great experience for these. What we've talked about loads on this podcast is that what Edinburgh are going to get from this season is blooding their younger players and getting them that um, as much experience at the top level as possible. Yeah. And I mean, home quarterfinal against La Rochelle. And I think the draw works out that they'd either play Gloucester or Cardiff in the semi, which, you know, I think is eminently winnable. Um, the other side of the draw is a bit tougher, but... I think on their day, Edinburgh can actually beat any of the teams in the tournament. So why, why not you know, aim, aim to win it? I'm sure they are. I think they, I think they should absolutely go for it. And they'd have final at Murrayfield? Yep. Both, are both Challenge Cup and Champions Cup. Yeah, they're both in Edinburgh, yeah. Um, should we chat quickly about Glasgow v Saracens? Very quickly. I just want to... Yeah. I was reading the, um, the Telegraph's match report into the Edinburgh game was great, um, mainly for this line, which described the Timisoara team as looking like a cooperative of burly scrap metal dealers. <laughs> Which I quite enjoyed. So, fair play to Tim Sawara. I think it's good to have um, 
these two tier two nations getting that exposure at the top level, but no, definitely clearly miles off the pace. But and so are Zebra. So, well, Zebra looked like they're packing up. So it looks yeah, like it seems that way. And there was the rumours that Italy might have one team next year, and potentially Georgia might take the 14th spot in a kind of Haguarez-esque yeah. move. So would Italy that would Italy use that as a sort of way to? basically play their internationals as, as in one team. Well, I imagine well. they would probably have s- some of their internationals like Sarto away and then try and use this as sort of half internationals, half young Italian players. And then they were looking at possibly basing it in Rome. Yeah. Which makes it a much more attractive prospect for players and fans alike. Exactly. So then rather than having Zebra and Treviso, you'd have one pro team in Rome and one pro team in Tbilisi. And, oh, my God, I'd love to go on the away trip for the Tbilisi Warriors away. team. Tbilisi away. Oh. Tbilisi away. That would be a good one. And I think just from a commercial perspective, that sounds so much better than Zebra and Treviso. So I think... Yeah, absolutely. I, I'm co- completely on board. So Italian rugby, get, get that sorted. Yeah. I'm um, on for that. And then quickly, yeah, Glasgow v Saracens. Yeah, let's do it. So we've got the top-seeded team in the... Um, in the quarterfinals? No. Second? Second? I think they were third. Did they end up third? I, none of us know. I mean, they can't um, be, because we, we got sixth, actually, so they can't be the top team. So they would be third. They must be third, uh, yeah. Yeah, and so it's us v. Saracens, sort of beginning of April, and then I know obviously not looking too far forward. If Whoever wins that game, I think, faces either Munster or Toulouse in the semi-final. Take and that. if Glasgow win it, they will get a home semi-final. Wow, that'd be amazing. Yeah. We're going we're gonna to go down to the Saracens game, aren't we? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, I think that's going to be a match. I saw the pen oh, uh, was huge. tweeting. He got um, permission from his wife to go to the Saracens game. Oh, did he? He's absolutely delighted. Good man. Absolutely rolling in the likes on Twitter as well. Was he? Fair that's because he's got good content. He's got, got fire really, content really, out there. Really, really, really good um, content. Yeah, no, I think it would be... I mean, obviously, on, on paper, Saracens are the favourites by miles, but they haven't been quite as good as they normally are in the... Champions Cup this year, like got a, they drew away at Scarlet, so you never know. It's maybe a chance. Yeah, we're playing on a plastic pitch, which Glasgow now do every week. Yeah, um, so there's no sort of like um, bias there. But if you look at it this way, la- um, two weeks ago, Edinburgh went sorry, Glasgow went toe to toe with Munster for 80 minutes mm. and didn't give an inch physically. Yeah. So, should the Saracens, do the, are the Saracens pack markedly better than the um, than the Munster pack? I think they are slightly, and I think they have a better bench, which I, that's my main worry. That the yeah. Glasgow bench has got some good young players on it, but I think in terms of firepower, it's, it's not. Yeah, the that. Saracens squad is great. Yeah, exactly. So that's my worry. But who knows? We'll see. Looking I think forward I, to I, it. I, I think it's going to be. Great. I mean, the, th- the thing is though, that's now it's like in a post Six Nations world as well. So you never know; they might have. Owen Farrell might be injured. Maro Toji might be injured. Yeah. I mean, who knows? I mean, I, granted, let's just keep our fingers crossed that no Scotland players ever get injured. I mean, Glasgow has <laughs> the most players of any team in Europe playing in the Six Nations, so... Yeah, they've got the most to lose, haven't they? Yeah. But yeah, it'd be absolutely great. But I just think it's, it's an incredible thing to have both the teams in the quarterfinals and with, with good draws. We're not, I don't think, even if we go down to Saracens, I don't think they'll be on and lose. They'll be on the receiving end of a hiding. No. Not I think it will be a really competitive game, and I think I think we can do it. Got to be positive going into that match. Absolutely right. So moving on from that, um, should we do a quick quiz and then we'll look at the uh, Six Nations squad? Yeah. Yeah, sounds good. So originally I was going to do a sort of who's older quiz, and after sort of two, I got a bit bored. So I ended up going completely differently, <laughs> and I've now got. Two questions for who's older and three questions around who scored the most points. Okay, so we'll that's a nice it, little mix We'll up. do it alternatively, and then I've also got a tiebreaker if needs be. So the first question is going to be who scored the most international points. Okay. I'm going to give you two players. Go ahead. One Scottish, one not Scottish. Right. Scotland hero, Graham Morrison, versus Joe Launchbury. <laughs> this is great. I mean, oh, it's so tough. The, the G Dog cannot have scored many points in Scotland. Launchbury must have dotted down a few from driving malls and lineouts and stuff like that. I think he scored a couple against 
Fiji quite recently. I can't remember one Graham Morrison try. <laughs> On a, on a slight tangent, did you see the, the news that Nick DeLuca had retired? And I did. They, the Scottish Rugby put up a tribute video for him. It was like, that try against Italy. Failing to mention that was his only international <laughs> oh, really? try. Yeah. <laughs> oh, God. Um, well, yeah. Graham Morrison has scored more tries than Nick DeLuca then. Yeah, I'll, which I'll is give good. you that. Um, right, so who's older between Mark Bennett and Johnny Gray? Ooh. They both played together at uh, Scotland on a 20 level. So it's going to be tight, isn't it? Yeah. So third question, who has scored more points? And we've got Greg Laidlaw and Lee Halfpenny. Oh, I love that. <laughs> that is tight. That's got to be tight. Do you see, I was reading something on Twitter today that Greg's supposedly the um, best-rated kicker in world rugby. Of course he is. Of course he is. Yeah. Um, uh, things Laidlaw has international Internationals, including Lions? Or just for Wales? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, but including Lions. I'm going half penny. Just an FYI. Right. Fourth, fourth one. Who is older, Johnny Beatty or Greg Laidlaw? That's good as well. Because Greg was a late, late bloomer, wasn't he? Yeah. Oh, I don't know. I don't know. Right. And the last question. Who has scored more points at international level? Go on then. Sean Lamont. Or Castro Giovanni. Sean <laughs> <laughs> uh, Demont, I think, has only scored like. So that's your that's that is your five questions, right? I've got to back the big man. Which which big man is the question? Yeah. So <laughs> first question: uh, Morrison or Lodgebury? What do you think? I, I've gone oh, really tough. I had Launchbury. I, I wrote it down and I've changed it to Morrison. I've gone I've got Launchbury. Launchbury has four tries and Graham Morrison has three tries. Yes. <laughs> so Launchbury has scored more international points. Right. The thing is the thing is that when Morrison was playing for Scotland, we didn't score any tries. Yeah, that's like, the thing. As a team, Chris Patterson scored all the points. Yeah. Uh Who's older, Mark Bennett or Johnny Gray? Who have you gone for? I know they played in the same team, but I think that Gray had another season, so I'm going to go Bennett as older. I've gone Bennett as older as well. Yeah, you're both right. He's a year older than Johnny Gray. Uh, right, third one. Who scored most points, Greg Laidlaw or Lee Halfpenny? I went for Halfpenny. I've gone for Halfpenny as well. Because I just think the way the, the Wales team is set up around him. So Laidlaw has 570 points and Halfpenny has 606. Oh, yes. Scotland, interestingly, have three players in the top 20 point scorers of all time at international level. So you've got Laidlaw, um, Patterson and Big Gav. Big Gav. Big Cor Gav's ahead of Laidlaw. Of course he is. And then Patterson's um, at the top. Uh, good. Yeah. Good, good. So what? Three two to you, Dave. Three two to me. This is rarefied air for right. me. Right. So fourth one, Greg Laidlaw or Johnny Beatty? Who's older? I've gone for Wee Greg. I, I've also gone for Wee Greg, but once again, I have no idea. It's I, tough. I, don't, I don't know at all. So Johnny Beatty was born November 1985, and Greg Laidlaw was born also in 1985. <laughs> In the month of October. So, Johnny BT is younger. So, Greg Laidlaw's older. <laughs> so, you're both right. <laughs> I've got. Greg Laidlaw that is was hard, older. That was harder than the quiz. Yeah. <laughs> uh, right, so 4 3. So, final question. Are you going to go for different, different well, answers? You might as well. All right, so who scored the most points at international level? Is it Sean Lamont or Castro Giovanni? I've gone for Sean Lamont. <laughs> but I've, if I had gone for Sean, then I couldn't win. So I'm going for Castro. I'm going for the big man. But I versus, just don't know. versus the other big man. <laughs> so 
I mean, we did say that Sean Lamont went through a period where Scotland really didn't score many yeah, points. Yeah, he scored those two against France, didn't he? So over, I mean, those two tries were absolutely great. They were, that, that was when he had a, the peroxide blonde hair as well. Six Nations 06. And we had that really good Scotland, the really good Scotland jersey as well. And we were playing in white. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, so no, good. I got that. <laughs> um, so over his 100 caps? 105, I think. 105 caps? There, yeah. Sean Lamont scored 14 tries, 70 points. Cash Giovanni scored, uh, has scored 12 tries uh, and 60 yes. points. That's a win. So the win, 5-3, five, five, all right. 5 out of 5 for me. Done. Quite happy with that, actually. Yeah. There you go, 100%. well done. That's great. Yeah. Nice little ego boost for me on a Tuesday night. Happy with that, lads. That was great. Thanks a lot. Um, that was good. Hope you guys enjoyed that. Um... Let us know. Uh, what are we on? Right. Six Nations squad came out on almost a week ago. It was Wednesday of last week. Yep. Um, we said the week, the podcast before, that we weren't expecting any surprises. I don't think there were any. Um, Matt Scott came in in the centres. I think, yeah. Which we sort of telegraphed. I think the only one was Simon Bergen. Simon coming Bergen in. coming Big in. Big Bergie. Big Bergie's on fire. That's what they yeah. say. Yeah. So, go on then. Point two. What are the talking points? And I think you've started it off there. Front yeah. row has to be one, doesn't it? Well, I think with Nell getting injured, um, yeah, it seems as if Fagerson's most likely to step on to, up into that position. Um, and pre-AIs, that, sort of, that was our big worry. But he came through that pretty well, and he's been playing so well for Glasgow. Like, and he's incredible in the loose. He really is. Yeah, he's brilliant. Um, and his scrummaging, I think, has come on leaps and bounds. And... Um, so I'm I'm not feeling too sort of fussed by that. Um, once again, it's a shame that we don't have you know Dickinson and Nell to call on in that depth because beyond that, I think you struggle a bit when you get to Bergen and um, having to bring back yeah, John Welsh and stuff. I, I mean, they'll do a job, but it just gets a bit weaker. I think that's one of the things. And I was reading an article about this, and it was sort of looking back at last year's Six Nations. Scotland won the most penalties from scrums last year. Oh, really? Because Nell and Dickinson were so dominant. Um, so, I mean, that could be a massive... While I think Ferguson and Dell, which is likely to be the, the front row which will begin, are, are, I think they'll be okay. I think they'll be workmanlike, but... Yeah. They're not going to... I don't think they're going to get us the ascendancy on any team. I mean, look at the Irish front row in that first game on the 4th of Feb. God, like, they look horrible. Tag Furlong. Yeah. Rory Best. Like, these are they're beasts... Yeah, and I don't actually know who the replacement Irish props are, but I feel like they'll be probably stronger than someone like Bergane or John Welsh. Yeah. Um, and also I think something that's quite annoying for us is we've sort of been big fans of Fraser Brown this year, and I think he, he really has sort of played his way into that two jersey. And I think with Nell and Dickinson both out, they'll want to keep Ford in. Just for size. A for his size sort of uh, any sort of scrummaging ability but also just having someone in that front row who's got more than sort of 10 caps under their belt you almost just kind of need to have that um so i think it will yeah we'll probably see forward star and brown on the bench which isn't a bad thing because brown can cover back row as well which is always a good uh, yeah thing I, to think, have. I, I think that's fine i I'm, I'm i'll be really disappointed if they do go with that i think forward uh, sorry um i think brown has done enough at a high enough level to at least tick that experience box, but it's the size that Ford brings. Mm. He is a massive lump. But I just, when we were at Harlequins two weeks ago, it was a prime example. The ball gets kicked to the corner and Ford misses the man. And yeah. in attacking yeah. situations in the Six Nations, when tries are now going to be at a premium because of the new bonus points, like we're going to miss out on all, I, I know we're going to miss opportunities because of Ford. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I agree. Um, but I just think the experience side of things, like chucking in a, a front row that would have a combined like under thirty caps. Yeah, maybe. Brown's got twenty, and Dell and Figerson must have like you know a handful between them. So that is a big risk. Yes, take. it is. Um, I mean, my my my. I think we've touched on it. My concern is that Figerson goes down injured early, and what if Dell goes down injured as well? We're now getting our. Yeah. Fifth and sixth string props are mm. not of a particularly high standard. 
John Wells has got a good kicking game, though. John Wells has so, got a very good kicking game. I mean, that's that's the one positive. Um, yeah, I think I think that's the real worry from the, the real from worry. The squad. The, we know how attritional the Six Nations is, and if we're to lose, I mean, is D- Dickinson's in the squad. Hopefully, going to come back, or is he out for the whole Six Nations? Yeah, he he's not in the squad at all. So I presume he's out Yeesh. for the whole Six Nations. Uh, I think Nell's the same. Nell's definitely out for the whole Six Nations. They've made that announcement. Oh dear! Wow. So yeah, and I suppose with the AIs, it was only three matches that you can sort of plaster up guys and get through. But this is five really tough five games in what, seven weeks. Yeah. So yeah, that's definitely the worry. That's got to be the worry. Um, what else were the sort of talking points? I think we we kind of covered it in the Glasgow thing. I think I think Richie Gray's got to do something to stop Tim Swinston starting. But I yeah, mean, I, I get the size argument. I do. And Richie Gray has had a lot of good games for Scotland, but on form, Tim Swinson is playing out of his absolute skin. Yeah, no, I agree. But it's kind of what Eddie Jones always said. Eddie Jones always talks about how he's not that interested in how players play at club level. He's more, if someone's playing well at international level, they keep their place until they stop playing well at international level. And I think Rich Gray's still got enough um, dollar in the bank. Is that what you say? Yeah. From Awesome well, Internationals. You'd usually say, I, mo- I did, you'd usually I, say money in the bank. but got, <laughs> <laughs> I, mean, that's, I think he's got money in the bank from... Uh, it, was, it was the Wales game that we ultimately went on to, uh, to lose. Or was it against Ireland when he threw that massive dummy on the 22? And yeah, I think through. that's from like three years ago. His, though, I know, so. but his, I'd give it to him because his locks. I mean, that's a classic sort of Scottish rugby moment now. That is true. I think it was absolutely amazing. Um, also, I think Scotland are getting a bit shafted. Aren't they like... England have gone down to the Algarve. For their sort of like Six Nations warm up, and it looks great. It does it's look quite really good, warm? It? Um, a lot of Instagram pics going up. Uh, um, and yeah. Scotland must be like maybe I don't know Edinburgh probably. We're at that new um, that new training facility that yeah. we've got that seems to be the Scottish um, all yeah, the Scottish like proteins Ari- use Orion it. or something. Looks yeah. really good. Looks like a really good facility, but it ain't the Algarve, so <laughs> you'd be a bit gutted. Yeah, you would be a bit gutted. I'm just getting this squad up in front of me. Not a lot to really talk about. Duncan Weir comes in as the de facto backup to Finn. Let's talk about another massive worry in that case. Finn goes down injured first game. Um, yeah, I mean, six nations. If that, ha- if, that happens, <laughs> yeah. if that happens, Laidlaw at 10, Ali Price at 9. No, that's worse. That's worse than the pudding? Yeah. I disagree. I'd, I'd rather put Hogg at 10 than Laidlaw. Oh, yeah, that's quite a nice shout, actually. Like, I mean, Laidlaw, I mean, he's so slow. And <laughs> having him at... I just don't think having him at 10 offers you anything. Um, I think at least you put Hog yeah. at 10 and then you can bring in sort of Maitland to 15 and put Visser on the other wing. This, you're, you're a much more strategic brain than I do, Alan. Well done. <laughs> that's that a far more elegant solution than I proposed. The overarching point stands good, though. Yes, no, Duncan it does. Weir is not good enough to start at 10 for Scotland. Uh, yeah, no, it's great. But I guess that what you would hope is that because you've got so much experience in um, Laidlot 9 and you've got Dunbar, uh, Seymour, Hogg, all these game breakers, you'd hope that it wouldn't be as big an issue as it is for Edinburgh at the moment where they, yeah. even though the pudding isn't playing that well, it's the, they're not able to do anything because the other players, A, don't have the experience or B, don't have that game-breaking yep. ability. Agreed. Um, um, should we talk... I mean, let's talk about probably the area of the field which has actually got stronger since the Autumn Internationals is the incentives because Pete Horn, due to injuries, had to drop out. But coming straight back in, top try scorer in the Premiership, Matt Scott, playing out of his absolute skin... Who I would I would possibly give him a starting berth. Um, I don't think he will. I think that he'll stick. I think of course it will stick with Dunbar and uh, Jones. Yeah. You've got I'm an you've got an issue with du- you've got an issue with Dunbar at twelve though. Y- yeah, um, I think he can be an effective twelve because he just does run hard and he runs straight. But I think he's not a great distributor, and you do miss a bit. Um, but it just depends on what kind of style they want to play. And I suppose Matt Scott gives you that, but. But at the same time, over the last few years, Scott has been playing 13 rather than 12. So he's sort of morphing into that position. Um, I think Scott's a good guy to have on the bench. And you know what, actually, push comes to shove. Oh, maybe it's not. 
Scott could cover 10 as well. It's where he started his professional career. So if you just want an attacking option, maybe it's a bit loose. Push comes to a massive shove, I think. I'd rather have him <laughs> than Pudding, once again. That's true. I'm, ha- I'm happy with that. I, said, I, I just don't think you can start Hugh Jones. He's not, he's not played a game of rugby since the Autumn Internationals, that I can tell. That's true. Because the Curry Cup finished at the end of October. And he did have... A, actually, I, I didn't actually know this, but he was top try scorer in the Curry Cup up until October. Um, but it's just you can't come into a game against Ireland international level having not played rugby for almost over two months. So who would you start? Well, I would have Scott and Dunbar. Push Dunbar to 13. Yeah. I like that. I mean, I like that. There's so many great combinations that you could play. We're not even talking about Duncan Taylor, yeah. who's probably the outstanding, um, one of the outstanding yeah. Scotland players from last, last season. Well, once again, he, he needs game time. He, yeah, he, he hasn't does. played in a long time. So Back row um, continues to look very, very strong, just reeling yeah. off the names. Barkley, Dupria, Hardy, Harley, Strauss, Watson, Wilson. I mean, Harley I would get rid of, but... I mean, I mean, the fact that Bradbury's not got in sort of shows the strength yeah, and depth. But exactly. But it's probably good news for Edinburgh that he's, um, he'll be able to play for them throughout the, throughout the Six yeah, Nations. Yeah, exactly. Um, right, lads. Are we done? Yeah, I think so. Roll on, roll on Six Nations. Roll on yeah. more of Europe. Yeah, absolutely. So we've got... Um, what have we got this weekend? Is it back to the Pro 12 weekend? Um, Pro 12 this weekend? Or there's nothing? No rugby at all? All right. Supposedly not. No rugby at all. Well, we'll, we'll we're going to get in a um, Six Nations preview show, obviously, mm. before the Ireland game. Um, we're going to try and team up with an Irish podcast. So if you guys know or listen to an Irish rugby podcast that might want to, to have a chat with us, we'd be interested in doing that. Or just know someone who's Irish who's quite funny. Just yeah, actually, tell somebody to get can, in contact with yeah, us. Yeah, we just need a warm body to film Matt because Matt is off to Kenya on a wee little two-week uh, two trip. So. Yeah, solo sex tour. So... <laughs> <laughs> They're good value out there. <laughs> oh you get a lot for your all money. <laughs> can we get rid of that? So that? No, we absolutely cannot. That is gold. That's a that's a reward. That is a reward for people um, staying the distance on the pod. Um, right. So we will be back in touch. Roll on the Six Nations, and uh, so for another week, it's goodbye from me. See you later, guys. Yeah, it's goodbye from me as well. Yeah, goodbye. Thanks for that again, Alan. Enjoy your sex too, Matt. Bye. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.